We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. In case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres. We are coming to you live on YouTube, like we do with most shows. YouTube.com slash Oregon Football Max Torres is where you can find us. If you guys are here live on YouTube, hop in that live chat and let me know your reaction to the big news uh, of the weekend following Oregon's 38-34 loss to the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, Make sure you let me know how you're feeling about that game. And then, of course, the big news that we're here to talk about that came almost immediately after that, Oregon Offensive Coordinator Kenny Dillingham has been hired as the new head coach at Arizona State. Um, That's obviously the big storyline for today. Uh, and we're going to get into that. Want to get some of your guys' thoughts and, uh, you know, any any questions that you maybe have or comments. I want to try to get to as many of those as I can. Um, you know, definitely just want to get into some some reactions in this episode and some some early thoughts, uh, just kind of about where Oregon's at, what this could mean for Oregon uh, for the, you know, long-term projection of the program. Uh, maybe we'll get into a little bit of recruiting impact as well, because, you know, we always like to talk about that. Um, but yeah, just before we get into that friendly reminder, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button, uh, so that you can stay up to date on all things, Oregon ducks, Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting. That is what we focus on here, uh, on the YouTube channel. And then you can find more of my written stories over at ducksdigest.com. So big news of the day, um, this morning was Arizona state hiring offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham away from Oregon. Uh, We have a couple of statements that we can read here just off the top. Uh, First, coming from Arizona State, this is from Ray Anderson, the vice president for university athletics. I I can actually share my screen here, so let me go ahead and do that. All right, here's the statement Sunday morning. We are, quote, we are proud to announce Kenny Dillingham as our head football coach. Kenny, Coach Dillingham brings the energy, knowledge, and appreciation of our state and university that is valued by all of us. His knowledge of the college, the current college football landscape learned by coaching across the nation is needed and wanted at ASU. He will care at the highest level about our state, our alumni, our former players, and every single group that is important to help us win. We look forward to working with him and all Sun Devils in making his staff successful and helping our program reach our goals. That again, coming from Ray Anderson, vice president for university athletics at Arizona state. 
And then we have a statement from head coach Dan Lanning uh, of the Oregon Ducks that we're going to read now, and then we'll get into breaking down the uh, the news. Um, so Lanning said in a statement, quote, Sophia and I couldn't be happier for Kenny and his wife, Bree, and their son, Ken, as he embarks on a new journey as head coach at Arizona State. Kenny did a phenomenal job this year for our program, and we are excited to see him chase his dream in his hometown. We are grateful for his efforts here and wish him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. Kind of interesting, just the the lighting that they have on this picture of Dillingham. You have the the yellow, and then he's kind of like faded out in black and white. It's, it almost feels like it's like a like an in memoriam type of deal, but obviously that's not the case. Kenny Dillingham is is very uh, very much alive um, after being announced as the new head coach at Arizona State on Sunday. So let's go ahead and just kind of get into this story, you know, um, this news. I'm in a beanie today because as embarrassing as it is to say, it's kind of cold in my apartment in, in Long Beach. Uh, so that's why I'm all bundled up here. But I wanted to get on and talk about this news for Oregon. Um, man, this is uh, this is definitely brutal. I think after after Saturday's game went the way that it did, uh, with just an absolute collapse in, in that second half, I think this news just adds insult to injury for Oregon, um, seeing that things were looking so promising for, for Oregon, especially from an offensive standpoint, right? Uh, I think my first point I have here in my notes is that you go from the Mario Cristobal slash Joe Moorhead offense last year, which was productive but not efficient, ground and pound, you go from that to an explosive offense, an efficient offense, one of the highest scoring offenses in the entire country at almost 40 points a game. And then now you're kind of back to square one. So Kenny Dillingham was a tremendous asset for Oregon and he made Oregon football, Oregon offense in particular, fun to watch again. I think that's one of the biggest things that, that, you know, is going to kind of be, remembered from his very short stint in Eugene, you know, literally not even an entire year um, as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at at Oregon, Um, you know, bringing in Bo Nix was obviously huge and instrumental for the success that Oregon was able to enjoy this year. Um, So as, as great as Oregon's offense was, let's be honest, it wasn't a perfect year for them. You know, there were times when, when there were some head scratching play calls, I'm, I'm looking at yesterday's game. You could even look at some, um, the, the sweep with Troy Franklin on fourth down. I don't think Troy Franklin's running all this year, but, um, doesn't seem like that fourth down was the right time to, to give him, uh, a carry. Um, and then late in the game when they were making that final drive, you know, their last chance, uh, their last attempt to go for a win, three straight run plays, uh, at the goal line with Jordan James, who isn't your lead back, uh, I might add. You know, Jordan James has had a pretty solid freshman season, but let's call it for what it is. He's the number three back uh, on Oregon's team. So I don't know why he was getting those carries at the goal line. Even if he is, you know, the bigger back, I feel like if your season, not your season, well, you could say your season was on the line, right? Because Oregon had to win this game to go play or uh, to go play in the Pac-12 championship game. If your season and if that opportunity is on the line, you've got to go with your best back. And I'm pretty sure that that's Bucky Irving at this point in the season. So definitely some head scratching play calls there. And then on fourth down, that's when you decide to have Bo Nix roll out. Um, 
I was shocked. I thought before that fourth down, and if I'm trying to scheme up a call, you know, I was thinking put Bo in his element, even though he's hurt. He obviously wasn't as hurt as he was in that Utah game. Um, but put Bo in a position to succeed, you know, have him roll out a little bit or like do a play action and um, have him run a little bit. And I'm, I'm fully aware that he was not able to run yesterday the way like he usually is able to, but I just feel like you're setting yourself up for failure with three, three consecutive run calls with the personnel that they had in the game. Granted, you know, that, that, um, that pass to Troy Franklin was super, super close. I think it might've hit Franklin in the hands. I have to double check at the highlight and, and the, um, and the, the photos that I've been able to see from our guy, Scott, but I, I feel like it's just, you know, Oregon felt like they were so close to taking that next step. You know, they just needed to figure out, what kind of pieces they could put in place to, to really get this offense humming. And Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix were an instrumental part of that. So to go from the offense that we saw these last couple of years that was good enough to get it done, but you ultimately end up squeaking out a couple of really close wins against some pretty, pretty bad teams last year to an offense that is able to rattle off points left and right, get a lot of different playmakers involved, put away games, win shootouts, mount comebacks. Those are all things that this offense was able to do under Kenny Dillingham. And then now he goes to Arizona State and, and an obvious homecoming. You know, you guys know all the storylines there. Arizona State alumnus, uh, Arizona native. Uh, he was getting super choked up and emotional during his intro press conference because this obviously means a lot to him. Um, but Oregon's getting hit by the coaching carousel yet again. Um, and this is obviously kind of a salt in the wound for Oregon fans, seeing that uh, they probably thought they were over the hump with this at a certain to a certain extent after Mario Cristobal left to return to his home in Miami um, as the head coach over there. Maybe they can take a little bit of solace in that. At least they're not Miami right now. Things are not going well for the Hurricanes. Uh, although it is, you know, just the, the first year for Crystal Ball over there. But we don't need to talk too much about Miami. But, yeah, now Oregon finds themselves looking for another OC uh, for the second straight season. Um, with with Moorhead going to Akron last year uh, amid the coaching transition, now Kenny Dillingham's going to Arizona State. So Oregon's going to be able to get, I would imagine, some some really solid interviews and, you know, candidates for this job because it's – the offensive coordinator position at Oregon. I mean, who, who isn't going to want to want that job? Um, Dillingham showed that you can still, not that there was any doubt, but you can clearly attract a tremendous amount of talent uh, to Oregon uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I think that um, Oregon still has, you know, a really solid season to showcase to recruits, to, to coaches. Um, but this definitely creates a lot of pressure um, for Oregon. And ultimately for Dan Lanning, because they they had so much success. And now the expectation is going to be, you're going to be able to hire somebody that is going to essentially be able to pick up right where Kenny Dillingham left off. And I think that's, um, you know, there's, there's reason to be confident that Dan Lanning is going to be able to do that because he's made some really solid hires. I mean, look at how great the offense was this year. Um, you know, he brought in Carlos Lachlan and he, the running backs have done a great job. Um, junior Adams came over from Washington. The wide receivers have done a great job. Um, so there's there, Drew Merringer with the tight ends. He's done a great job getting those guys involved and, and ready to go. And, and Adrian Clemmel on the offensive line. So 
there's reason to be very confident that Dan Laney is going to be able to bring in a lot of really solid pieces um, just in general from a coaching staff standpoint. And and maybe now you have to, the question becomes, you know, who does, who does Kenny Dillingham take with him? Is he going to try to take any guys from this Oregon staff? Um, that's another question that I honestly didn't really even think of until right now here on, on the show. Um, so let's see, where can we go from here? Um, I think obviously with Kenny Dillingham going to Arizona state as the former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Oregon, you are asking yourself, well, the next biggest question, what's going to happen with Bo Nix is, is Bo Nix going to choose to stay another year? He does have another year of eligibility. Um, or is he going to give the NFL his, his best shot? Uh, and then even in the more immediate future, is he going to play in the bowl game? Um, he did get asked following uh, Saturday's game, just kind of about his, his NFL future. Um, and he said, quote, the way college football goes is a lot of things change from season to season. So you can't worry about that until the season is kind of completed and finished. There's still some football left to play. So, you know, good job by, by Bo there to, you know, more or less uh, avoid the avoid the question. Um, but, you know, now that uh, the regular season's over, you know, we're already seeing transfer portal craziness across college football. Um, and now that Oregon isn't playing for a Pac-12 title, um, they're not going to end up in, in that great of a bowl. Uh, if USC is able to take care of their business, we're looking at the scenario now where, um, where USC could go to the college football playoff. And then I think it was Washington or Utah even could go to the Rose Bowl. And then Oregon's left with, you know, the Alamo Bowl. I think some other bowls that I saw thrown out there were the Holiday Bowl or the Las Vegas Bowl. So just for how, for how much potential and excitement this season had, you know, I tweeted earlier today, Oregon's Oregon's nine and three finish in the regular season isn't that bad on the surface, but it's the fact that they could have gone just as easily. They could have gone 11 and one because two of those losses came by a comp- combined seven points uh, to Washington and to Oregon state. You lose to both your rivals in the same year. It's just brutal. Um, so it, it definitely stings for Oregon because the wheels fall off once again, just like last year. I think that the benefit now is, you know, knock on wood, if you're an Oregon fan, I, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to lose your head coach this time around, but you're still getting stung by the coaching carousel. Um, and there was, there was obviously a lot of smoke um, before there was obviously a lot of smoke around Kenny Dillingham taking this job throughout the whole season. Once Herm Edwards got fired in September, Kenny Dillingham's name was on those hot boards, was on those coaches to watch stories. So, um, you know, it's it's not a huge surprise on the one hand, but now he's the youngest coach, head coach in, in college football. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things to to figure out here for Oregon now with uh, whatever happens in the bowl season. Um, you know, managing personnel with the transfer portal window coming up, with early signing day coming up. Um, but I'm getting a little bit all over the place. So let's let's talk a little bit more about Bo Nix. I mean, if I were to give my two cents, I I, I don't see. I feel like. Kenny Dillingham being on the staff is obviously a, a major piece, a major loss for Oregon and, you know, whatever pitch they wanted to lay out for Bo to, to come back. Um, you know, they're, they're, they have to figure out what's going on along the offensive line. I'm sure that they're going to bring in some solid pieces along that offensive line. You maybe get some names out of the transfer portal there, but um, I feel like, you know, Kenny Dillingham not being there is a major piece of continuity that Oregon can no longer offer 
and you know a, a situation for a hypothetical situation for Bo coming back. So, uh, you know, my two cents. I, I would probably think that Bo is is uh, you know that might have been Bo Nix's last game as a duck. Um, seeing that you know, like I said, the bowl game isn't going to be that you know. Uh, we have to see what they get, but the bowl game isn't. It's not going to be a Rose Bowl. It's not going to be a, a, a college football playoff bowl. Um, and you know he's hurt too. He finished the season hurt, so you got to figure if he wants to give the NFL a shot, he doesn't want to have another opportunity. He doesn't want to take another chance on on getting hurt, um, seeing that is he messed up his ankle. Um, so that's a tough deal uh, in terms of figuring out what's going to go on with Bo. And then if, if Bo Nix does leave and you're left, you know, kind of trying to figure out the quarterback position for next year, you have Ty Thompson on the roster right now, Jay Butterfield on the roster. Dante Moore is signed in the class of 2023. Um, so let's, I'm trying to think of other notes that I can get to. Um, where do I want to go with this? Where do I want to go with this? So we're talking about the quarterback picture. And and I think, again, with the quarterback picture for Oregon, it's just it's another year of, of uh, uncertainty um, because we'd be in a totally different situation if Oregon had a, a recruit from the high school ranks that they had brought in that had played and, you know, performed well and was slated to come back next year. So Oregon just, it's, it seems like they're just, you know, they're lacking continuity and it's something that is so, so fickle in, in uh, college football. I hope I'm using that word right. Cause I'm honestly not sure if I am, but there's so few programs, so few programs in college football that actually have continuity. Um, and, you know, in, in today's era with the coaching carousel and, and NIL and the transfer portal, it's, it's only getting that much harder to find consistency. And I think the programs that find consistency are the ones that are winning at a really high level uh, or their head coaches are just elite when it comes to managing, uh, figuring out their, their roster, their coaching staff. You know, you're looking at the Kirby smarts, you're looking at the Nick Sabins, you're, you're looking at uh, Ryan day. If you want to throw him in there, Jim Harbaugh, um, that Michigan Ohio state game was nuts over the weekend, by the way. Um, so that was, that was definitely something to follow, but um, yeah, it's just a, another hurdle that Oregon is going to have to overcome in terms of just trying to find that consistency and, and that continuity from a coaching staff standpoint. Um, but you know, it's, it's Dan Lane's first year. I don't think that nine and three is, is a, uh, you know, is, is, is bad by any means. Um, I think it's just, like I said earlier, you know, the fact that it could have been 11 and one, but they were shooting themselves in the foot. They were missing tackles. They were blowing opportunities, you know, both, both of those games, you know, both of those losses against Washington and uh, Oregon state down the stretch were so winnable. And I'm sure a lot of Oregon fans can definitely, um, you know, back me up on, on that point. Um, so I feel like I've got a little bit all over the place here, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for those listening on the podcasting platform. We'll be right back with more Oregon football talk on Kenny Dillingham's departure for ASU after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We're talking about Arizona State hiring Oregon Offensive Coordinator Kenny Dillingham. Got some folks here in the live chat. If you guys are here, thank you so much for tuning in. Reminder to hit that like and subscribe button for me. Um, let's see if we got some comments here so I can try to get to some of those and then we'll talk about um, some recruiting impact. Um, Brooks says, I feel like this was Kenny's job for the taking. Phoenix native alumni of ASU and who knows if this job will open again for him. It had to be now or maybe never for him. We'll miss him though. Silver lining is whoever the future OC is, he will have had to seeing how good this offseason, this offense can be. And we must get it right for whoever takes the reins. Hopefully they stay more than a year. Yeah, I think that um, this year definitely showed whoever Oregon gets as their next offensive coordinator. Look at all this talent that we have to work with. Look at all these pieces that are in place. Definitely some younger players there like Troy Franklin that you get excited about, like Bucky Irving you get excited about, the tight end room. Um, Oregon's offensive line is going to look a little bit different, but I think that they rotated in some pieces that give you confidence there. Um, but like I said, again, with the transfer portal, I, I, you, you wonder, we don't know what's going to happen at Oregon. You know, there's, there are some names that we probably feel like, you know, fairly confident, um, could be on the move, but because of the transfer portal, maybe it becomes harder, uh, to, to sell a, a coach, an offensive coordinator, um, candidate at, you know, coming in to, to work with, you know, this guy, cause you don't know if he's going to be there, for example, Um, so I think I I agree with your point, Brooks, you know, the silver lining is that, you know, this offense can be really successful. Um, but you know, you got to go out there and and find your guy, but yeah, it's, it seemed like with Dillingham, even though there, that's another thing that I didn't get to mention, um, back to your first point, you know, you laid out all these factors, you know, him being a Phoenix native, uh, alum at at ASU. I think one reason a lot of folks were thinking that this wouldn't happen we don't know what's going to happen at ASU with regard to the NCAA investigation, right? There's, there's no, there's no playbook for hosting recruits on campus in the midst of a global pandemic. Like, how do you, you can't, you have nothing you can turn to to be like, Oh yeah, this happened previously. So this is kind of the course of action we're going to take. But that's one of the big things um, that people are asking themselves now, or that's kind of up in the air, you know, what's, 
that was one of the reasons that maybe people were Oregon fans were thinking, Oh no, he's not going to go because you don't know what's going to happen at Arizona state with this uh, investigation going on. So for all the factors that make sense, you know, there's so much work that needs to be done at, at, at that program. Um, but you know, Kenny Dillingham's fired up for it and he definitely seems like the right guy for them. You know, he, he knows how to recruit, Obviously, with a lot of the uh, playmakers that Oregon has in the fold for 23 with Dante Moore, we'll talk some more about Dante Moore later in the show. Um, and yeah, he knows how to recruit. He's a young guy, young coach. He's relatable. He's from the state of Arizona. Arizona is one of the most talent rich states out west. Um, definitely some solid quarterbacks coming from there. Oregon has a bunch of commits there in the 2023 class. Um, I don't believe any of them are on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but we can save that for when we get into some more recruiting talk. What else do we have here? Christopher says, in my opinion, tell Bo thanks and goodbye. This year was more about Dillingham's offense than Bo's ability as a quarterback. That's an interesting uh, comment. Um, I don't know. I think, I think if you're Oregon, you definitely want Bo next to come back if you can. Um, if, you know, if, if he is willing to consider it, um, because while Bo's success was tied largely, I think, to Kenny Dillingham's impact as a play caller and in this offense, I think that he showed that he could take that step forward as a quarterback to take better care of the ball, to take more calculated risks, knowing when to run, not not you know just relying on his legs too much. It seemed like he was a much better uh, passer this year maybe than, than in years past at Auburn. Um, so I think that... Um, yeah, if you're Oregon, I think you'd be hard pressed to find an Oregon fan. I don't let me know in the comments. I feel like if you're an Oregon fan, you would happily take another year of Bo Nix um, to to try to figure out the quarterback room a little bit more. Um, but that's definitely an interesting comment. I think that I think that the the marriage, the reunion between Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix is is a huge reason that uh, there was so much success this year. Which I think is kind of what you were saying, but you're saying it's more so Dillingham's offense than Bo as a quarterback. So. Bo, Bo Nix has been, you know, phenomenal for so much of the year for Oregon. The wheels just kind of started to fall off in that Washington game, and his injury certainly didn't help. Uh, Renee said Tosh should be the next coach to go. Yeah, I, I, I've seen this take a lot on Twitter since yesterday's game because, let's be honest, the, the offense is not the reason that Oregon lost this game. It's because the defense allowed Oregon State to – win this game while completing only six passes and pounding the rock at will. Oregon State finished with 268 yards on the ground, five touchdowns and averaged 6.2 yards per carry. And I, I understand I understand the frustration. I don't, I don't think that I don't think that firing Tosh is the way to go. Um, you know, I don't think parting ways with with Tosh Lapoy is, is the way to go for Oregon. Um, you know, cause one of the points you have to consider whether you're looking at, you know, the defensive coordinator or the, the secondary coach, the linebackers coach, or, or even Dan Laney across the board, these coaches naturally, cause there's no other way to go about it. These coaches naturally inherited players that they didn't recruit to Oregon to an extent. And you're going to have, that's going to happen at any school you go to. This is not a situation that's unique to Oregon, but the point I'm trying to make is I think we could see some improvement from this defense next year once more of the the coaching staff's players come to Oregon. Um, 
and maybe they fit the scheme a little bit better than some of the guys on the roster currently. Um, and, and, you know, another point that kind of goes out there is you, you can't, you can't fire away your problems. And I think that, you know, just one season might be, might be a little, a little bit too short of a leash. So um, I think that Tosh has done a good job, you know, during his career, um, you know, working with the defense. I think this is his, I need to double check that if this is his first year as a defensive coordinator, that's on me for not knowing that, but he, I think the the recruiting upside with Tosh Lapoy is is absolutely paying off. You know, you saw the the Johnny Bowens commitment last week. Um, that was my most recent episode of the podcast. Is the trio of commits that Oregon landed, uh, kind of over the hol- the holiday window. So go give that a listen. Go give that a watch if you haven't already. But I I I wouldn't be in the boat of um of saying that Tosh should be the next coach to go. That's that's not my opinion. All right, let's see. Let's see. Raymond says, I wouldn't begrudge Bo leaving, but it is more than disappointing to lose the OC after less than one season. Feels like if he if he could have stayed like Lanning did with Georgia. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's I the reason that I think this is so upsetting for from an Oregon perspective is that the offense was explosive again. You know, this this is what a lot of, or I mean, at least when when I started following Oregon, their offense was like totally unstoppable. And you know, uh, that breakneck pace, the the hurry up tempo with Chip Kelly, you know, your your Lamichael James, your uh, your Marcus Mariota, Kenyon Barner, DeAnthony Thomas kind of guys. It felt like this year that Oregon got back to that to some extent, you know, and and that they are they're recruiting guys that can help bring them back to that, and then now. Dillingham leaves to Arizona State, and you're left with this cloud of uncertainty around the offense. Not only from an offensive coordinator standpoint, but now obviously from a personnel standpoint, because you don't know who's going to leave and, and who's going to remain uh, at Oregon. We don't know what next year's team is going to look like because we have to get through the offseason. So I think that, um, yeah, after one season, it's just, it's just the, uh, you know, it's just the modern era of college football. So you got to get used to it. Hazmat says, play calling, boo. Yeah, definitely some questionable play calls in that game. Um, and that's a huge reason that this loss goes on the coaching staff. Um, this, this loss is completely on the coaching staff. Definitely some head-scratching play calls. 0 for 5 on, on fourth down. Uh, what was the other number? So it was 0 for 5 on fourth down for Oregon and 5 for 14 on third downs which is so interesting because like I said, the offense wasn't the problem. You scored enough to be Oregon state in this game, but yeah, they, they weren't really necessarily able to sustain some of these drives. When you look at the five for 14 third down conversion stat, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So even though there were some very questionable play calls, you know, I thought they were getting way too cute with the screens. That's something that has emerged a lot this season, but there were some screen calls that worked. There were some that just got completely blown up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough scene, tough scene for the ducks um, that the play calling has, there's been some great games. There's been, you know, and the play calling has been very head scratching in some of the losses. Um, you know, you look at that Washington game and then Bo Nix's run on third down where he ended up eventually getting hurt. Um and you just kind of, you know, you can't help but ask yourself what would this season look like if, if Bo didn't get hurt, right? I think that I've seen on my timeline on Twitter quite a bit 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at mtourist sports if you haven't already. And some people are saying this team is 11 and one with a healthy bow and I'll die on that hill. And that may be the case, but um, when you have a quarterback that's injured, you lose that margin for error with poor play calling because you, you can't rely on bow to, to make up for it when you call the wrong play and he can't dance his way out of trouble because he has no ability. Um, so yeah, the play calling was, was certainly not, not a, a strong suit, especially when Oregon state was coming back in this game, when Oregon state outscored Oregon 21 to three to, to end that game uh, in the fourth quarter, that is can't, can't have uh, can't have bad play calls when you really need to be putting up points. No duh. Right. Ruben, Ruben said, what's up, Max? I love the show. Let's get an OC that wants to be here. That That's another thing, too, that uh, that's an interesting point that you mentioned, Ruben. Uh, I don't know if you guys were in Twitter spaces at all. I hopped in Twitter spaces yesterday. Um, so, uh, sorry, yeah. So I hopped in Twitter spaces yesterday, and oh, my word, was it toxic. Um, some people were saying, you know, one, one person said, you know, I love – Love Dillingham, and uh, you know I'm paraphrasing. Now. I love Dillingham, love Lanning, but like we, let's let's stop bringing coaches here that have dream jobs. I think is is kind of paraphrasing what he said. Um, and I don't know. I th- I think that from a head coaching perspective, I can understand that that um, that take a bit more because obviously with with Mario and and with Willie, they both had jobs in Florida that were kind of looming large, but from a coordinator standpoint, I feel like you kind of have to take that risk a little bit more. Um, so it's tough. It's really tough um, to, to find a guy that's going to want to be there long-term because, you know, you bring a guy there and he can sign a contract or whatever, but these, these new jobs open up and uh, you know, there's, there's not a, there's not a whole lot you could do. Um yeah, Apollo says, no, stop it. Let Dan and Tosh get their players in the program. That's what I was saying. Um, yeah, and this is another thing too, Christopher. I, mean, I feel like I've kind of said this before, and I feel like I'm a little, I don't really know. This is an ongoing discussion. Christopher says, I guess I'm saying I'm tired of one-year rentals, and instead I'd rather have a developed quarterback that we can have for years, i.e. Marcus, Herbie, Dixon, et cetera, et cetera because this is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit from, from a quarterback standpoint, I think. And one of my buddies told me, you know, if you have that one year guy that can come in and just light up your offense, which Bo did this year, I think if, if Bo, let's just go best case scenario. If Bo Nix comes to Oregon, they go to the playoff or they go to the Rose bowl. Heck they win a national championship. What, how does the, how does this positioning change? Because I think that for Oregon to get out of the one-year rental, so to speak, um, quarterback approach, I think that that is healthy for the program. If you if you can go to the prep guys and develop a multi-year starter, I think that we can. Most of us can agree that that is the healthier approach for Oregon right now. But look at Oregon's championship window. The the talent on offense was certainly there for Oregon. I think this year, the questions were really on, on defense, you know, was Oregon's defense going to do enough to, to keep them in games? Oregon's defense going to win them games. I mean, that, that obviously happened in the Utah game. So we have to give them their credit. We can't say that they were a complete liability all season because they 
kept them in that Utah game and, and ultimately won them that game. But where was I going with that? I think if, if Oregon's able to win a national championship with Bo Nix, even just for a year, I think that changes the perspective. But Oregon's Oregon's national championship window is, is such an interesting topic to continue tracking because if you can get that guy that's the right fit um, and he can light up your offense and you know just take you places you haven't been in a while, I think that really changes the conversation here. And if you do go to a, you know, a guy that you're developing that's there for multiple years, you're going to end up taking your lumps more than likely. Not every young quarterback that plays at the college level is going to be Trevor Lawrence, uh, is going to be a Bryce Young. But Bryce Young didn't even start right away. So it's tough. I think Oregon kind of finds themselves in a little bit of a rut in terms of finding that right moment to not go the transfer route. But another point I want to say here on the topic of the transfer quarterbacks if you look at the play of, of Ty Thompson this year, of Jay Butterfield, the very limited times that they've kind of gone in, you, you would have taken a transfer quarterback too, right? I think when Bo Nix initially committed to Oregon, I was a little bit shocked because, you know, it was Bo Nix from Auburn, right? And he had all the storylines, but then there were more things that made sense. The Kenny Dillingham reunion, what have you. Oregon had to get a quarterback out of the transfer portal because nobody else on the team had played any college football. So, they kind of had their hand forced at that point, but I think this is a super interesting point, Christopher, and, and I'm going to continue to track it. And that's like a huge, huge point for Oregon football right now is just how do you approach the quarterback position? Uh, all right. What else do we have? Tim Minacci says definitely want Bo Nix back. All right, let's talk here. Let's talk about Sean's comment. And then I think I'll probably wrap the show after that. So Sean said, I don't see Dante Moore coming here anymore. Thoughts. And I've seen some comments here referencing an interview that Dante did uh, over the weekend. I think it was after his, uh, after his last high school football game. I think he won another state title. And, uh, you know, there, I was watching parts of it. I didn't watch the entire interview, admittedly, but the part where he talked about Oregon, uh, you know, this was after the after the news had, I think, already the reports had started to surface about Dillingham and Arizona State, and he was talking about one of his teammates, like, you know, he's going to his place, and, you know, I'm going to Oregon. It would have been great to team up at the next level. And then the reporter was like, oh, you're going to Oregon? And, like, kind of implied the question about, like, are you still going to Oregon with Kenny Dillingham going to Arizona State? But he did not ask that word for word. And in my opinion, I don't think watching that interview was enough to – confidently say Dante Moore knew at the time about Kenny Dillingham going to Arizona state. And that short little interview is enough to say, okay, he's still locked in. Like he's still locked in, still confident with Dante Moore going to Oregon. I don't think for me that that little interview snippet that I saw and that was making the rounds was enough to confidently say that. So, but before all that happened, Dante Moore was, you know, I think that the feeling inside Oregon from the people that I had talked to was there was not that much worry at all that Dante Moore was, was going to be flipping. But the offensive coordinator, his future position coach, is no longer at Oregon. So obviously that creates a ton of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, this obviously comes on the heels of him saying that he's locked in with Oregon. I think it was just the week prior. Um, but this obviously is, is going to create a ton of uncertainty for Oregon when it comes to recruiting and priority number one has to be getting Dante on the phone. 
uh, saying, you know, we're, we're going to get an awesome offensive coordinator in here. Uh, obviously, you want to maybe even go as far as running some names by him. I don't think that you, excuse me, I don't think that you want to let one recruit dictate who you're going to bring in as your offensive coordinator. I don't, th- I think that would be pretty, pretty insane to, you know, latch a, ma- a major hire in your program, your program to one recruit. But it's no secret that whoever Oregon brings in as their offensive coordinator is going to play some kind of a role in Dante Moore's decision whether to ultimately go to Oregon or not go to Oregon. So I think it's it's too soon to say if you know I don't want to you know make a prediction of what, you know whether I think Dante Moore is going to go to Oregon or isn't going to go to Oregon. I think it's it's too soon. We have to see what's going to unfold here. So. Hopefully nobody goes out there putting words in my mouth, but I think that we have to see what happens here. Uh, you know, what, what other fallout um, stems from Kenny Dillingham going to Arizona state to be the new head coach. But obviously Dante Moore is the name to monitor now in Oregon recruiting because he's the class headliner and for Oregon, maybe more than any other program in the country, they need to nail the quarterback spot. Right now with Dante Moore in the fold, I think it's nailed, right? You know, he's five-star prospect, can do it all, uh, named the SIL American Elite 11 MVP. But in the case that they lose a commitment from Dante Moore, things get very, very interesting. Um, You know, you saw how Notre Dame handled their quarterback recruiting. They were the favorites for for Dante Moore at one point, and then I thought there was some time when there was you know Michigan had some really good buzz as an in-state school. Michigan still doesn't have a 2023 quarterback um, as of right now. Um, I'm double checking that right now, but you know they would be a school to to maybe monitor now with with this uh, uncertainty after the news of Kenny Dillingham's departure. So Oregon, until Bo Nix got to Oregon, I I feel like. They were kind of that school that fell into that designation of being one way, one quarterback away. You know, I think Oregon fell into that designation. And to be a school that's one quarterback away, we clearly know just because you're one quarterback away and you get that quarterback to your team, if that quarterback gets hurt, then you're no longer one quarterback away. So maybe Oregon's really two quarterbacks away because not only do you need a solid starter, what do you need behind him? You need solid depth that can come right in and not miss a beat. And it's very clear that Oregon does not have that right now. Um, You know, not trying to criticize or slight any of the quarterbacks in that room, but based on what we've seen this year, um, the the quarterback play aside from Bo Nix is not where it needs to be. Uh, And I think that the Oregon staff would acknowledge that if they're, you know, having those meetings behind closed doors and talking about that, maybe they wouldn't say it publicly, But, you know, if you've been watching this team, you know that the quarterback play is not where it needs to be because Bonex got hurt and bad things happened. You know, let's just put it that way. So Dante Moore is the biggest guy that you have to track now on the recruiting trail for Oregon following the news of Kenny Dillingham's departure to Arizona State. Um, And then, oh, that was the other thing that I wanted to check. If Oregon has any offensive commits out of Arizona in 23, I don't think they do. Okay, let's see here. I'm looking at this. Okay, you got Cole Martin, who's a corner, Amari Washington, who's a defensive lineman, and then you also have Michael Gardner out of Arizona. Um, okay, so yeah, that's a good thing, I think, for Oregon. But, you know, 
I think that you have to check in on some of these other recruits in the 2023 class to see, you know, how, how does this move maybe change things for them? Um, I think the timing of this is obviously pretty, pretty tough for Oregon, seeing that we're less than a month away from the early signing period. So they're going to have to move fast. Dan Lynn is going to have to move fast, but at the same time, just like we said last year, when Oregon was in the head coaching search, right? You can't rush a hire for one coaching for one recruiting class. You cannot rush a hire for the sake of one recruiting class because one recruiting class is, is more than likely it's except in maybe some very you know unique situations there one recruiting class is not going to win you a national championship is this 2023 recruiting class really crucial for this staff absolutely particularly on the defensive side of the ball absolutely but with with how everything is gone with with it being Dan Lanning's first year as a head coach you think he knows i would think that he knows he can't rush this higher um so I'm going to try to do some digging and see what kind of names I can maybe think about. Um, I spoke with Jurion Dickey last week um, or earlier this week, depending on how you want to look at it. Sunday is like technically the start of a new week, but I spoke with Jurion Dickey this week. Um, and uh, and as far as, you know, his, his signing timeline and you know where he's at with Oregon, he said when I talked to him that he was 100% committed uh, and he has a, a ton of faith in Oregon. Um doesn't look like he's going to be enrolling early, at least not in the winter. If anything, he said it was going to be in the spring that he was kind of 50, 50 on doing an early enroll early enrolling in the spring. And then it was more so looking like he was probably going to sign his national letter of intent uh, in Feb February. Um, that's kind of a tongue twister February. If you look at the spelling. So those are some of that's kind of just some of what I had on some of the top commits in Oregon's class, but it, it's going to be, very, very interesting to see what, uh, what ultimately happens with this 2023 recruiting class. So I definitely wanted to talk on Dante Moore because, like I said, from that short snippet, that short video, um, I, I, I'm not sure that you can deduce that he was necessarily aware of the Kenny, unless he was asked, hey, look, uh, Kenny Dillingham is not at Arizona State anymore. Are you still going to Oregon? And he said yes. Then it's that an answer like that would give me more confidence. So maybe I didn't see all of the interview that I needed to, but from that little snippet uh, where he said I'm going to Oregon, um, when that reporter was asking him, I, I just don't know if the timing was necessarily right where it needed to be. Um, so we'll have to keep case in point. I think it's too early to say one way or another until pen meets paper. Uh, you know, you got to see what's going to happen with with recruits like Dante Moore and anybody else in the class. So a lot of good stuff there. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to get on here and, uh, you know, get an episode in. I got to get to the gym and get a workout in. So I'm going to go ahead and chop up this podcast and then uh, get it uploaded. But we're going to have plenty to talk about here uh, with, you know, the as we kind of get our way into the off season with uh, only the bowl game remaining for Oregon. So got a bunch of people here live. Uh, if you guys got in here late, make sure to go back and listen and watch uh, the rest of the episode. Uh, do me a favor, like subscribe, share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, other duck fans. Uh, and until next time, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.